1: Monday edition of PFTOT, the place where we spend time talking about either things we didn't get to or things we'd like to talk about in more detail. And a thought occurred to me back in the first segment of our show today, Chris, as it relates to the Jamal Adams trade from the Jets to the Seahawks that I really wanted to delve into, but I knew we didn't have the time to do it. I wanted to have a little more time to think about it. I oversold it potentially, but now we find out whether or not it was am I'm, I'm really away. excited.
2: I Are mean, you ready? I mean, it's the longest right. damn tease in the history of TV here, so let's go. Here we go. We
1: saw the Seahawks after the 2017 season pivot away from that defensive focus and begin to build the team around Russell Wilson. After the 2018 season, Russell Wilson became the highest-paid player in league history with a four-year extension, new money average of $35 million per year. There still is a lingering sense that Russell Wilson, at some point, may not be a Seahawk. Right. I know Seahawks fans don't want to hear that right now. But there is a lingering sense of frustration as to how he's used. You know, you're paying him all that money. Do you really let him throw as much as you should – When we did the top 40 quarterback countdown, we had the highlight package of Russell Wilson. It was obvious how great he is. And because there isn't that that hair on fire element that a Patrick Mahomes has, it's not as exciting. It's not as obvious. It's not as stunning when Russell Wilson goes about doing what he does. So here's my point. You mentioned, and I think a lot of people are coming to this conclusion, that the future for the Seahawks, immediate and long term, is Jamal Adams— as the center of the defense and Russell Wilson as the center of the offense. I look at this and I say maybe they've decided to begin to swing the pendulum back the other way toward the defense. And maybe at some point in the next couple of years, there will be a Russell Wilson trade that loads up the cannon with draft picks, that lets the Seahawks reset, that lets them go find a third-round quarterback who can become one of the better quarterbacks in the game because they don't want to pay Russell Wilson what he's going to want the next time a contract comes due. Now that Patrick Mahomes is at $45 million per year on average in new money, could it be that this relationship is destined to fall apart? Could it be that Russell Wilson at some level wants it to fall apart? And could it be that this isn't the Jamal and Russell show long term that this Jamal Adams trade is the first shot in a Roman candle that results in Russell Wilson not being with the Seattle Seahawks. What do you think about that?
2: Well, like – I, I think uh, it's not crazy. It's a little crazy. It's not totally like, you know, totally Thank crazy. You. It's yes. the nicest thing you've ever said to well, me. Yes. Well, I mean, listen, I, I know what you're saying here. I mean, first off, we've seen this team is, has the ability to build the team with the rookie quarterback and build a special defense and have all the other pieces around it to where you go, okay, yeah, it'd be nice to have a great quarterback, but our team's so good, we don't need to be great at quarterback or pay him that money. And you're right. I mean, I don't think Pete Carroll and John Schneider are afraid to do that now you know does this make that you're right maybe one step closer if we get down the road here what is it two or three years from now where maybe they can get outside of russell's contract to two two years, years right so you know maybe that this gives them a little flexibility to go okay well we got a guy that we feel like can be the staple of our defense for probably the next six or seven years and be a star right and yeah maybe ride with that, see how things go here in a few years. But if they feel like, okay, we just can't quite get over the hump to be the team we quite need to be to get in the Final Four of the Super Bowl. And then you're right with all the Russell Wilson speculation. I think they're a team like the Patriots and maybe a few others that wouldn't be afraid to make those type of decisions. That's where I'll certainly back you or make that type of decision and get rid of or or part ways with a, you know, a special, special player like Russell Wilson. But I think what you're doing here, too, is all, you get, you know, now that I'm starting to think about it and hear your theory, you're almost getting a little bit of both. Getting a little insurance on the back end, but also going, okay, hey, DK Metcalf, Philip Dorsett, you know, uh, Tyler Lockett, Greg Olson. Whoa, we we got some offensive pieces here, too, and we helped out the defense just enough here to where we can legitimately win the Super Bowl with Russell Wilson right now, even though it might not be built the way we, as in John Schneider and Pete Carroll, would love it to be built. So, I, I mean, I don't think it's a crazy theory. I think it gives them a little leeway now, actually, with the Jamal Adams to kind of play both sides of this conversation.
1: And it definitely requires Russell Wilson to stay with the Seahawks two more years. That salary cap that's expected to be at $175 million in 2021 would make it even harder to move on from his contract it would be a dead cap number of 39 million i believe if they if they traded him next year so uh or or at a minimum 32 million it's too much to take yeah it's too much to move on it's actually 39 million if they trade him next year that's not good uh especially at at a 175 million million dollar salary cap so he's there two more years yeah the question arises i think 2022 and by then, they'll know. See, this is perfect. They have Jamal Adams under contract for two more years. This isn't This isn't the pendulum swinging. This is the, the fork in the road two years out. What are you going to do in the next two years? And if they give Jamal Adams a, a gigantic contract, if they give him close to $20 million a year between now and the completion of the 2021 season or at the latest in the early 2022 offseason – that's when you have to ask, is the next move a move on from Russell Wilson? Yeah. I just think that we shouldn't assume. And this is my point. We shouldn't assume this is Jamal Adams, Russell Wilson, five, six, seven, eight years together in Seattle as the two centerpieces of the team.
2: Yeah. No, Seattle's I like New, New England. Cha- they, they'll do they'll a do a what they got to do.
1: Going, it's going back the other way right. to the defense. Right. Because they won Super Bowls with a great defense. Well, a Super Bowl. Should have been two. a second one. Yeah. But they won a Super Bowl with a great defense. The last two years, what have they gotten with this approach where Russell Wilson is the centerpiece of the team? Yeah. They lost in the wild card round in 2018. They lost in the divisional round last year against a Packers team they probably should have beaten. And if they had a better defense, they probably would have beaten. Right. So um, I, it's just something to keep an eye on. Chris. Yeah. It's something I'm very intrigued by. A couple of years out. we got a lot to worry about between now and then. Let's just not assume it's Jamal Adams and Russell Wilson for the next seven or eight years together in Seattle. It could be that it becomes Jamal Adams' team uh, within the next couple of seasons.
2: Well, you know, to add to what you're saying here, too, like, I think one thing we, you know, I'm not even sure Seattle really understands how to play through Russell Wilson yet, is what I would argue. Maybe they don't really know how to play that way. Maybe that's why... You know, a Pete Carroll and John Schneider would want to go back to that that old style. What you're talking about winning Super Bowls through their defense and a running game. You know, yeah. The last two years, we've kind of wa- let's let's go back. You just said it. Wild card loss, divisional playoff loss. After both losses, we've gone. What the hell? Why can't they give the ball to Russell Wilson? Why can't they throw the ball more? Why are they wasting the ball? Like running the ball like eight out of ten plays every set of ten plays through the first three quarters of the game and those big moments. So to me, I would challenge and go, I'm not even sure Seattle knows how to play through a quarterback quite yet. You know, and we talked about this, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, to where, you know, when we talked about Russell Wilson, you know, they got to do him justice and let just give him the ball and go here and open it all up more. And uh, so that, that'll that be interesting. You know, and I also, th- here, Mike, let me ask you this question. First off, I, all right, there's 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 two things that jump. I'll go one at a time here. 2 years from now we could still have an affected salary cap right from the pandemic right so yep. it's 175 next year for the 2021 season and then 2022 could also have you know a chunk taken out of it even in that year it would be 26 million dollars of dead cap for Russell Wilson you know if you're going 175 million again let's just say in 2022 Man, I'd have a hard time. This is where this is a game changer this year. I'd have a hard time thinking you could get rid of one-seventh of your salary cap there and just let it sit on the side in a year like that, which could affect teams and what they're trying to do here you know, in the future as far as building their team or their ultimate vision to what your point might be here.
1: The the other uh, thing to keep in mind, and I think this is relevant as it relates to the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, Right yeah. at what point, right, at what point, and I'm not saying that they should move on from Pete Carroll, but my 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 point is this: if Russell Wilson is not satisfied with how he's used in the offense, you either get an offensive coordinator who's going to use him the right way, or you get a coach that's going to use him the right way if If ultimately the choice is. You know, not Jam- not Jamal Adams versus Russell Wilson, but Wilson versus coaching staff, whether yeah. it's offensive coordinator or head Philosophy, coach. Philosophy, right? Is that is that where the is that where the pressure point really is residing? And that if they, you know, hey, hey, and Pete Carroll, I mean, look, the guy could coach another 10, 15 years if he wants to. He's in great shape. He's got energy. He's got positivity. He's got optimism. Best gum chewer in say, the game, right? If they haven't figured out how to use Russell Wilson by now, nine years in. Chances are they're not going to have some sort of an epiphany anytime soon. It could be that Carroll either has to go out and hire a coordinator who specifically will have a plan for getting the most out of Wilson. Of course, if it works, that guy will only be there for one year. they end up being hired as a head coach somewhere else. Or they got to get a head coach who's an offensive guy. Carroll's a defensive guy. Yeah. Maybe they. And, and again, I'm not saying I, – I think it would be a hell of a risk because I would not let Pete Carroll walk away if I'm the Seahawks. But if your impasse ultimately is – the head coach doesn't use the quarterback the way the quarterback should be used or wants to be used, and one or the other's got to go, you have to at least, if you're the owner of the team, you have to at least think through both possibilities. What happens if we get an offensive-minded head coach who would get the most out of Russell Wilson and he stays here for the next 10 years? Or what if we just say we'll get a new quarterback and we'll save a hell of a lot of money because Russell Wilson's going to want what? $45 Forty-five million or more per year when it's yeah. time for his next contract. Yeah,
2: right. No, they're all good questions. They really are. And you know, I mean, I think your point that that stuck out to me there more than anything is like kind of what you said with the Pete Carroll. Like, well, listen, just Daryl Bevel and and Brian Schottenheimer are defensive coordinator, head coach type of hires for an offensive coordinator. Did that make sense? I hope it did. I tried to say that right, but those those aren't like you know, those are offensive coordinators that fit like, oh, I'm a defensive head coach, and this is how I want to play. I want to run the ball, control the clock, and and play through my defense. That's how they are. You're right. You know, if they wanted to go the Russell Wilson route and really go all in, you'd have to get, you know, that next Kyle Shanahan type or Sean McVay type to go to the next level to push the bar on the offense and bring some things in that, you know, like I, I've always said before, like, you know, there's certain things in, in football – Russell Wilson doesn't even realize, you know, he doesn't know what he doesn't even know. He's, he's probably looking at plays that Brady and Breeze are running sometimes and just going, I don't get it. Like, how is that guy always open? What are they doing? And I want to just go like, sorry, Russell. Yeah, you don't have that play in your playbook. It's It stinks, but you don't got it. And they don't coach it the right way, even when you guys do run it. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch it all nonetheless. And hey, Mike, last thing here. I don't know why, but just with Jamal Adams being signed and a few of the other moves that Seattle made this weekend, does it is it you, is it me, or do I just feel like it's like Jadeveon Clowney is just inevitable to happen back in Seattle again? I just feel like it's going that way, another one-year deal.
1: I, well, I, I don't think so, Chris. I think it makes it less likely they're going to bring him back because whatever cap space they have, they're going to want to bank it for Jamal Adams, right? Um, and, and he's not going to want whatever they offer. I mean, they could have done that that tender that the Giants did with Marcus Golden that lapsed and now Golden is going to stay with the Giants. Uh and it would have been fifteen million dollars for Jadevian Clowney and the, the Seahawks didn't want to do it. So um you know it it was it it was I may have the number wrong, but there was a, a floor as to maybe it was sixteen and a half million, but but whatever it was, they didn't want to put that out there And I I think that it makes it clear that whoever ends up signing Genevieve and Clowney, it's not going to be the Seahawks because they've already decided not to put the kind of money out there close to what he's looking for. Um, but, But, hey, the deal from Friday changes everything for everyone. When we're looking at a reduced cap in 2021, the thing to remember is every additional cap dollar you spend this year is one fewer cap dollar you can carry over to next year. And the teams that are going to manage their way out of a mess next year Aren't going to if they got ten million left this year, don't spend another dime, save it, and then you're looking at one eighty-five next year. So I think it makes it harder for Clowney. And maybe, hey, maybe if there's nothing else, Chris, and the guy just wants to play, so I'm, I guess I'm going to, after two minutes, agree with you. Maybe if he has no other options, that's he where I just feel to like stay it's, in the place where he's been. That's If, yeah. there, if there isn't the Titans or the Cowboys right. or somebody else comes up with something to right. get him.
2: No, yeah, I, that, that's so, what I, that's what I'm saying. I just feel like. You know, yeah, it it doesn't seem like a long-term deal is going to get done. It seems like he's going to end up signing a one-year deal. I know it's still early; we don't know what's going on. But he also had great success that there last year, and it, it does seem like he liked playing there and, and fit in the environment and all that. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, I just it seemed like it felt like more of a possibility, but we'll see.
1: Um, I'm going to call an audible here on our next topic because I see that ESPN is reporting that the Miami Marlins now have. Eight additional players who have tested positive, on top of the four who had tested positive as of yesterday. This is a full blown outbreak of COVID 19 for the Miami Marlins. And this is baseball, folks. They are not on top of each other for three hours out on the field. This is the first major test for Major League Sports as to how they're going to deal with an outbreak of COVID 19. Uh, it's not good for sports. It's not good for baseball. It's not good for the Miami Marlins. We're going to see how they work it out. But I wanted to mention that, Chris, because this definitely has ramifications. The Miami team in one of the worst hot spots in the world right now in South Florida. Oh, and the Dolphins report tomorrow. Right. Um, so this optimism—that—that's the thing. What we're going to have this year is it's roller coaster. We're going to feel good about it one day, and then something's going to happen that's going to make us concerned. And the question is, does the train ultimately stay on the tracks or does it go off at some point? And this Miami Marlins thing has to at least put on our radar screen the possibility that, uh, that there is going to be an outbreak that is going to shut the NFL down or shut teams down for one or two weeks at a time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a very real possibility. But, it, you know, it's another glaring example of why we just got to get things in our, in, our, you know, in our country under control. You know, forget about sports. Anything else? Anything in business is not going to go working the right way right now. Oh, really? Oh, really? The team in South Florida, where it's the hot spot of the world right now, they got an outbreak. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. You know, the, you know, I mean, just, I don't know. I mean, so yeah, this is a societal issue that again is going to filter into an, you know, uh, American politics, economics, and all of those things. And until we do this right. There's no fans in the stadium, there's no people working, you know, at you know the 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 different stores in the stadium, selling food, the vendors, all that, and it all affects the economy. Because we don't want to, you know, wear a mask when we walk down the street cuz it doesn't go good with our outfit or it's our freedom or like I'm just, you know, Okay, it's our freedom. I'd like to have our freedom back. And the way to get the freedom back is to start wearing the mask and doing the things that help the society. So what are we going to do? Just act like it doesn't happen and just let society be ruined? You know, at some point, come on. It's just driving me crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, if this all falls apart as it relates to pro sports, this isn't because pro sports couldn't pull it off. It's because we couldn't pull it off as a people. Because we were too stupid and selfish to do what needed to be done. And now that we're waking up to it, it's a little bit too late. And the other thing I'd like to say is this, folks. And this is a general observation that I make based upon the fact that I leave my house about once a week to go to the store uh, just just to get out and just to kind of see what's happening out in the world. In West Virginia now masks are mandatory, but I can't tell you, Chris, the number of people who wear a mask that does not cover their nose or or think it's okay to take a break from the mask and pull it down under their chin. Like they're lifting weights, and this is just the set break until they get back on the bench. It's like the mask is mandatory. You cover your nose with it. And it's amazing to me that these stores will let people in, that they don't say anything to them when they do it. Everyone's afraid to say anything because they never know who's going to pull out an AK-47. Uh, it's just craziness. Wear the mask and wear it right or stay home. It's that simple. Rant over.
2: Yeah. Uh, Don't don't even get me started, okay? I mean, yes, you're right. I don't get it. You know, we got to take the proper precautions. Yes, air droplets come out of your nose, all you scientists out there. So cover your damn nose. And if you want to pull your mask down and get a breather, don't be within 20 feet of anybody. Be outside in an area where you're away from anybody. Don't make other people feel uncomfortable. So- yeah, I don't know. There's so many issues there right now. It just don't – I can't even get started. i uh, get us fired. Let's just go on to the next subject. This,
1: this, this is the ultimate character test for the people who give a crap about others and those who don't and those who are willing to walk around with essentially a middle finger to the rest of the world. And there are people like that everywhere, and I definitely encounter them here. And, of course, uh, you know, I, I think about should I say something, should I do something, but it's like, you know, I don't want to get stabbed. I don't want to get shot. And I don't want some incident that ends up on YouTube that I'm the star of. So I just get my stuff and I get the hell out and I stay away from the person who's not wearing the mask the right way or not wearing a mask at all.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: All right, last topic before we end this edition of PFTOT as it relates to the potential of outbreaks in the NFL. Peter King in Football Morning in America raises a possibility, and I think is isn't just speculation. I think he knows something. We do that sometimes in this business. We know things that we can't say that we know, but we try to get ahead of where the ball is moving because we know it's true, but we can't report it. The possibility that the commissioner will have the discretion to postpone individual games based upon the COVID-19 situation for a given team. Now, with a team like the Miami Marlins, it's a no-brainer. Right, Chris? If you can't field 46 healthy players because of injuries, because of COVID-19, if you just don't have the bodies, then you shouldn't be expected to play. The idea, though, and Peter mentions this, what if the Vikings' starting offensive line is all positive for the virus? Would the commissioner postpone a week seven game against whoever they're supposed to play that week because they don't want the Vikings to have their backup offensive line protecting Kirk Cousins? See, I don't think that's good enough. I, I, the NFL I don't is either. the ultimate next man. It's next man up. Right. As long as you have 46 healthy players who can suit up and play, you play. If you get to a point where there's enough of an outbreak where it comes Sunday morning or Monday night or Thursday night, you just physically can't put 46 guys on the field or on the sidelines, obviously not on the field. That would be a penalty. Uh, you 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 that's when it would happen. But anything less than that? Yeah. do
2: I hey, want to hear it. If
1: you're if you're if, if, if you don't have good enough backup linemen, then put your backup quarterback on the field. If you don't trust your backup lineman to protect your starting quarterback, and that's just the way it goes, we never make those accommodations for injury. The Eagles last year had—I mean, they would have loved to have postponed a few of those <laughs> yeah, games right, when right. it was Carson Wentz and a bunch of no-name slappies around him. Yeah. All due respect to those guys, we just don't do that in football. So I don't like it. Other than in a situation where a team would not be able. To put forty-six players in uniform.
2: Yeah, right. I, I don't want to like if it's like just the two starting guards and we're going to cancel a game because we're like, oh, we don't, we don't, we don't think we can well, protect. No. Take, t- take
1: it. Take it the step farther. What if it's the entire offensive line? Well, it, if it's the inti- offensive line, if it's the positive. entire
2: offensive line and you legitimately can't feel like a starting five, okay, then of course that's where I go. Yeah, there, there's an. You got to do something here. But if you are like, you know. Okay, if it's four out of five and you got, you know, seven backup offensive linemen who have been on the practice squad and are ready to go or anything like that, yeah, I don't want to see a, a week canceled because of that or just because, like, oh, we don't want Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers to get hurt this week. Like, that, that's not a reason you cancel games. If you literally can't play the game, that's one thing. And then to me, like, what what I don't understand here, Mike, is are they saying, like, You'll cancel the Vikings-Bear game in week seven, but the rest of football will play that week? So then we're going to have yes. uneven schedules? Like, how does a tiebreaker work? Like That, to me, is where no. I just don't understand it. Okay. What, what would happen is, potentially,
1: the game that gets canceled week seven gets played week 18. And if there's a game that gets canceled week 10, it gets played week 18. I mean, as long as none of those games involve the same team, you can pull it off, Right. Or you could have a couple of weeks on the back end. You know, this is instead of wiping out a full week, there's been talk about, for example, they could take a take week three and put it at the end of the season. They could take week four and put it at the end of the season if they need to. Week two, every game played in week two is between teams that have their buys the same week. You could get rid of week two and just play all those games in the weeks those teams otherwise would be on a buy. This is individual games in a given week. This team can't play, postpone this game, play at week 18 or week 19. Okay, That's what it would be. I just, I still don't like it. I, I think anything other than 46 guys aren't available. The, the, you, you made your bet. You got to make your decisions about who's on your roster. You got to make your decisions about who's on your practice squad. You got to have enough guys available. And you know what? You may have to have a defensive lineman play offensive line this game. You may have to do it. You may have to have a safety play receiver this game. You may have to do it. That happens in football, and um, I I think that it makes much more sense to go forward with the games and get the games in than start postponing games, having a slippery slope of a standard, and potentially getting to the point where you suggested, Chris, where you just can't get the games in. So you've got some teams that have played 15, some play 16, some play 14, some maybe play as few as 13, and you're determining playoff positioning based on winning percentage
2: I don't like it at all. No, no, I, I, you're right. It's, uh, it's going to be something to watch out for. You know, I guess the big thing is, is where do you, you know, yeah, like you're talking about, just where do you draw the line? Yeah, I want to, if you can get 46 out there, I want to see you play. But, you know, at the same time, if it's, you can get 46 out there, but, you know, Mike, you got to play like three defensive linemen on the offensive side of the ball. And they've only they've only they were only made aware of this like Friday night, so they're all of a sudden Saturday trying to figure this out. Now, I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that's fair for players, player safety, all of those type of things. So I, I got to wrap my head around that a little bit more. I certainly want teams to exhaust all avenues to get, try to play, like you're saying, because I think it's going to confuse things and and who knows what else the other repercussions are. But I also think there is a fine line of like okay, let's let's not just field 46 and then have like, you know, 15 guys get hurt because we just got like, you know, our kicker playing right tackle this week against Von Miller and all of a sudden our quarterback's dead too, let alone our kicker's dead from Von Miller running him over all the time.
1: Well, we'll see how it all plays yeah. out. I mean, we, we we are accepting the reality that this year is not going to have much competitive balance. There will be unfairness. Some teams will have fans present. Some teams won't. I just think if we start going down this path of giving the commissioner the discretion to postpone individual games and you don't have a hard standard as to what would postpone a game, you're really asking for trouble because there could be a strong perception of unfairness that one team that is up against it has to play and another team doesn't and gets to play that game later. That's a dangerous move for the NFL to make, and let's hope it doesn't get to that. All right. Uh, That's it. We're done. We'll be back Tuesday with another edition of PFT Live. Everybody have a great day. Check us out all day long at profootballtalk.com, and we'll see you tomorrow.
2: Peace.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.